Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Nahum chapter 1 and verse number 7. Nahum 1 and 7. The Lord is good. In the words of one of my favorite human beings, Vern Ratliff, all the time. He's good all the time. If you love Brother Vern, would you let him know right now? Praise God. Hallelujah. What, what I love about him is the word is in him and it just comes out. Praise God. Amen. The Lord is good, a, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. I want to speak to you today from this thought, the Lord is good. I'm just going to brag on him a little bit today. And you may be seated. In the Amplified Bible, the Lord is good, a strength, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows... He recognizes, cares for, and understands fully those who take refuge and trust in Him. So if you are trusting in Him, if you are taking refuge in Him, He fully understands that and responds to this thing called faith. I would say at the outset today that it is vital that we have a clear understanding Concerning the goodness of the Lord this morning. It is imperative that we have, uh, and that's why this message is, is being brought forth today. It's imperative that we have a personal insight into his goodness. In a world that is spiritually out of control, it is paramount that we have what this scripture calls a stronghold on the Lord in the day of trouble. For the Lord knows those who place their trust in him. Listen to the last portion of the amplified verse of our text. He knows, he recognizes, he cares for, he understands fully those who take refuge and trust in him. So at the outset of this message today, I would like to remind each and every one that it is his goodness that leads us to repentance. According to Romans chapter two and verse number four, are despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? Do you despise that of God? not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. I'm going to end with that scripture in just a few moments. That's going to be our destiny, understanding and knowing the goodness of God and how that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. We must repent. And someone might say today, well, why, Pastor? Why must I fall into the category of that individual who repents? Because the way of the transgressor is hard. Those who do not choose to live for God live a difficult life according to the word of God. 
And the only way out of that difficult life is to repent of our wrongs and our sins. According to Proverbs 13 and 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. So what is a transgressor? It's one who misbehaves. It's a person who disobeys and just goes astray. It means it's, it's that person who sins and breaks the rules and does wrong. And the way of the transgressor is hard. And that's why Job said of the transgressor, the wicked man travaileth with pain all of his days. David said, fools, fools because of their iniquities are afflicted. The way of the transgressor is hard. Paul said, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of every man that doeth evil. So we find in the mouth of these three witnesses that that transgressor who lives a wicked life will have to deal with pain all of his life. David said that fool who has said in his heart there is no God because of his or her iniquity they are afflicted all of their lives. And Paul made it clear as, as he could possibly make it saying tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil. If you transgress, if you do evil, if you disobey God, it takes us all the way back to the first man, the first woman. When Adam and Eve transgressed, and you know that they did, when they disobeyed God, when they listened to the voice of Satan instead of the voice of the Lord God, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And now the way of the transgressor becomes hard. All of your life, Adam, you will have to deal with thorns and thistles and weeds in the fields and cultivate and work for your livelihood. And Eve, when you bring forth a child, it will be with much pain. And so Adam and Eve, because of their transgression, they dealt with pain and anguish and afflictions and tribulation and it followed them all of their lives because they became transgressors. We know that Paul declared to Roman, the church in Rome in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of the transgressor, the person who refuses to get right with God, the person who refuses to make things right with Almighty God. The wages of sin is death. But he doesn't stop there. He gives us hope. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Never forget that the Lord is good. Care what you're facing today, what your pain, your anguish, your, your transgression might have been or what it might be today. I want you to know this message that I'm preaching today is about a good God. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. The psalmist said in 25 and 8, good and upright is the Lord. He does all things right is what the, the psalmist is saying. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. Oh, for the goodness of God this morning. The psalmist said in 27, 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see what? 
the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living right now. A lot of times we try to push our blessing into the future, into the eternity somewhere. But the psalmist said, I had fainted. If, if the only hope I had was, was in the future somewhere, I had fainted unless I had believed to see right now. See the goodness of the Lord where? In the land of the living. And then he gives us a directive in verse 14 by saying, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. I'm so glad today that God will lead us. He'll lead us into that avenue where he can teach us his way. That he will teach us to come before him with praise and worship and adoration. That he will teach us that if we will repent of our sins, all the angels will rejoice in heaven. The psalmist said in 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamp around about them that fear him and delivereth them. And then he said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Three things to consider from our text in Nahum 1 and 7. The Lord is good. The Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And the Lord knows them that trust him. I'm glad that he's made a way for us. How many knows he's your king today? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to take you to an Old Testament story. It's the story of Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. He was the grandson of King Saul. Mephibosheth, when his father and his grandfather went to Jezreel to go into battle, Mephibosheth was five years old. He was just five years old. I want to tell you that what happened on the battlefield was not the fault of a five-year-old back at the castle. No, it wasn't his fault. It was not his fault that the battle went against Saul. The battle went against Jonathan. For Saul had turned his back on God and the judgment of God came upon Saul and upon Israel and upon Jonathan. And Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, was killed. Saul was killed in that battle. And now the, the, the news of this horrific turnaround for Israel because they were used to having victory and now it's turned into defeat. That news gets back to the royal family in Jerusalem. And the, if you understood battles uh, between armies in that day, if you defeated an army, the first thing you would want to do would be go into that country and destroy all of the royal, all the, those that had royal blood that had access to the throne. We're going to eliminate any leadership. We're going to take everybody out. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. We've defeated the king. We've defeated the prince. We've defeated all of the armies of Israel. Now we're coming into the nation of Israel to destroy anyone who has an allegiance and access to the throne through their royal blood. And so there is a nurse that's taking care of Mephibosheth. And she recognizes when she hears the words, Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. 
The battle has gone awry. And now the armies are coming after the royal priesthood and the royal line of, of Saul's family and descendants. And so she knew that she had to get Mephibosheth out of the country. She knew that he was in jeopardy, that his life was in jeopardy. So she picks up this five-year-old boy and begins to run with him. And as she runs, she stumbles and falls and drops him on the cobblestones below and his ankles are crushed. And now he is a cripple and will be a cripple for all of his life. She doesn't know what to do with him. He's five years old. He's not safe here. So she takes him to a land called Lodabar. When they get to Lodabar, that's where Mephibosheth begins to live out his life. Five years goes by and 10 and 15 until he's in his early 20s. All he has known is a, a vague memory of royalty. He just kind of remembers that, yes, I used to live in a, in, 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 among the, 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 the throne room and uh, royalty. I, I sort of remember that at age five. But all of these years, 20 plus years, I've now lived in Lodabar. Lodabar was called the land of no bread, the land of malnutrition, the land of hunger, the land of need, the land of want. You have to think about this. Here is a boy that has royal blood in his veins and now he has been raised in Lodabar. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to hear that there's food over there, but by the time in the condition he was in that he would get there, the food would be gone. He was hungry all the time. He was lonely all the time. He had vague memories of a better life somewhere back there sometime in the past, but now he has been here for 20 plus years living in a land of want, living in a land of hunger, living in a land of despair. I know that there's something in me that, that tells me that this is really not my lot in life, but there's nothing I can do about it. Look where I'm at. Look what's happened to me. My mind, my thoughts, my body, my spirit. I'm crippled. I can't walk fast. I can't get anywhere fast. And this is my lot in life. And he thought that that's where he would be all of his life. But can I tell you something about the goodness of the king? King David is now on the throne in Israel. He was a good king. And he said, he said to his right-hand man, he said, now when the enemy came in, the Philistines, after they killed Saul 20 years ago, after they killed Jonathan, my good friend, after they destroyed the army of Israel and came in to destroy all royalty, he said to his servant, is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I might bestow blessing on them? And his servant said, I do remember Ziba. Ziba was the servant of Saul and Jonathan. And I do know that he may have an answer. And King David said, bring Ziba to the throne room. And Ziba walks in and stands before David. And David said, is there anybody left 
from the house of Saul. Did the Philistines kill them all? Is there any royal blood anywhere? I want to bless them. And Ziba said, the only one I know about is a boy that was five years old when the battle took place. Story has it that he's crippled now. And David said, well, where is he at? And Ziba said, from what I understand, he's living in the land of Lodabar. It was at that moment that we see the goodness of the king of Israel. David steps back and almost in disgust with a challenge and with a concern in his voice, he looks at his mighty men and he says, there's royal blood in Lodabar that should not be there. They should be here. His name is Mephibosheth. I want you to take the best robes. I want you to take food, water, shelter, everything you can. I want you to go into the land of Lodabar and I want you to find one called Mephibosheth because I'm going to bring him back here. You find him, you bring him back because he's got an inheritance. And so that group of mighty men made their way across the desert and into Lodibar and the, the rumor began to circulate. There's some people here from King David that's looking for somebody. From what we understand, he's a cripple. From what we understand, his name is Mephibosheth. They're looking for him. Somewhere he's here in our nation. And sure enough, those mighty men came to where Mephibosheth was. And they asked him what his name was. And he said, I am Mephibosheth. And he starts to get up and they said, don't get up. We'll pick you up. You're royalty. You see these canes that you're walking on? You're not going to need them anymore because we're getting ready to put you on a camel and take you back to the king. Mephibosheth's trying to figure this out as these mighty men pick him up. They secure him on a camel and all of a sudden on his way to see the king, he is higher and riding faster and moving swifter than he's ever moved before. And I got a feeling he could say something like this, I could get used to this. Uh, this is pretty good. I'm moving with some mighty men. I don't know where we're going, but I do know this. They gave me a pretty nice robe to put on. They gave me food to eat. They gave me drink to drink. I, I'm in a pretty good position right now, and we're headed somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. Can I tell you, there's a parallel with Mephibosheth and you and I today, and that parallel is this. Because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we were exiled from the kingdom of God. We were put into the Adamic nature. We are now fallen creatures away from God and without any hope in this world. But you know what? The king of kings asked the question, is there anybody out there? that wants to be saved. Is there anybody out there that I can bestow a blessing upon? I'm a good God and I'm going to find that person that wants deliverance. And all of a sudden they bring Mephibosheth in and listen to 2 Samuel 9 and 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, Jonathan, the son of Saul was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, behold thy servant. And David said, to him, fear not. 
for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore unto thee all the land of Saul thy father and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, why is thy servant? What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertaineth to Saul and to his house. I'm just telling you right now, you can find something in this room today that only comes from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because when he found me, I was undone. I was hungry. I was lonely. I was fearful. I knew there had to be more to life than what I was going through. But he found us. He picked us up. He turned us around. He brought us into the throne room. He brought us into the church. Hallelujah. He gave us what we had need of. Can I tell you, there's nobody like Jesus. The Lord is good. And David was an example of the goodness of God. And I don't know where you're at today or how lonely you are or how much pain you're going through or how desperate you might be, but you're in the right place. This church will take you to the throne room of God and we will introduce you to Jesus Christ and he'll save you, change you, transform you, put you on a right road to life everlasting. God is in the house today. He's a good God. I'm, I told you that story to tell you this. God is a good God. That's how much he loves you. Psalm 33 and 5, he loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of what? The goodness of the Lord. And his goodness leads to repentance. But you have to repent. I want to say that again. To repent, you must have godly sorrow. If you want to get on this train to glory, hallelujah, repent of your sins. Does anybody remember? Is there any, can I get a witness in the house? Does anybody remember the night you repented? I, I do remember that we always focus a lot on baptism. And I do remember when I was baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. And I do remember when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But do you remember when you repented and you just said to God, I'm sorry, I'm a wretched man. I've lived in Lodibar all my life. I've heard about some goodness of the king out there somewhere, but you know, I've never, I've never really been to the throne room. Well, you're in the right place today because we want to take you to the throne room. And I want to remind you that when David said this to Mephibosheth, it was an incredible statement. He said, thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And I've got one question to ask you on this Sunday morning. What happens when you pull up to the table? Hallelujah. All of the pain of the past is hidden because it's under the table. Those ankles that you couldn't walk on are no longer visible. Can I preach to somebody right now? The Lord wants to bring somebody in this service on this Sunday morning to an altar of repentance so he can bring you into a place of forgiveness. And when he puts your sin under the blood and you sit down at the table with God, it is never remembered again. It's behind you forever. 
forever. You will eat bread at my table continually. What you used to be, you are not any longer. You are a new creature born again of the water and of the spirit. You're on your way to heaven. Your past is forgiven. God has forgiven you. He's a good God today that wants you to be saved. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of this world worketh death. You see, repentance. What is that, pastor? What is repentance? It is an emptying out of yourself. It is a pouring out of yourself before God. Lord, I need you. Lord, I must have you. There is no good thing within me. So I need to empty everything out. It is impossible. You remember this on this Sunday morning, if you would please. It is impossible for God to fill something that is already full. And so you have to empty yourself of your past. You've got to empty yourself of your pain. You've got to empty yourself of your bitterness. You've got to empty yourself of your loneliness. You've got to empty your, you've got to pour it out before God. And if you empty your heart, your soul, your spirit through and by repentance, God will fill you with an overflow of his spirit because godly sorrow worketh repentance. When you look at him and see him in all of his glory and all of his goodness and all of his righteousness, it will cause you to have godly sorrow. When I see how great he is and how lonely and, and weak I am, it just makes me want to cry out to him, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. I want the goodness of God. I need your strength. That's how you repent. You start telling God you're sorry for your past and tell him what you want. I don't want to live this life anymore. I feel somebody in this house today. You, you, there's a spirit of repentance is going to come upon you and God's going to open a door. We need that in this hour. We need men and women that are strong enough to stand up and say, I'm wrong. I need to repent. I need to get right with God. And if you will, if you'll pour it out, God will fill you with his spirit on this Sunday morning. Yes, he will. Godly sorrow worketh repentance. When you look at him and see him, the son of righteousness, Job said this, the son, S-U-N, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. And that begs the question sometimes because we don't think we're good enough. It begs the question, how can I measure up to his righteousness in the condition that I'm in? We have no righteousness except for a reflective righteousness of him. Now, I want to just talk a little bit because I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost ministering to someone, someone that came in here desperate today. This may not be for everybody, but it is for somebody. And there's somebody here, and I feel it in the Holy Ghost, that is saying, preacher, you just don't know what all I've been through and what has happened in my life. Then you don't know the pain and the anguish and the heartache. You, you just don't know. Well, let me tell you something on this Sunday morning. Let me tell you about a God that knows. Let me tell you about a God that knows exactly where you are. And the fact of the matter is you cannot measure up to his righteousness. There is only one righteous and his name is Jesus. But here's the good news. You can be a reflection of his righteousness. Hallelujah. John said, I am not the light. I say on this Sunday morning, 
I am not the light. And I say on this Sunday morning, you are not the light. But I will say with John in John chapter one, we have been sent to bear witness of the light. That is the true light. Hallelujah. There is no good thing in me. There is no good thing in you. Hallelujah. We all fall short of the glory of God. But because of his goodness, because of his mercy, you and I can be a reflection of the light. Can I tell you, there's only one light and his name is Jesus. He is the son of righteousness that shall arise with healing in his wings. The moon within itself in our solar system has absolutely no light. It's just a dark marble planet to our earth that's out there. It's been full the last couple of days, last couple of nights. It's the moon. It has no light. But when it is in alignment with the sun, like it was the last two nights, and the sun cast forth its rays upon the moon, the moon begins to reflect that light back to the earth. Has no light within itself, but when it's in proper alignment with the sun, the sun of righteousness shines. And you've lived in a dark world, and you're trying to figure all of this out. Well, let us introduce you on this Sunday morning to the sun of righteousness. And watch God align your life with the rays of hope that can shine on you. And you will cast forth rays of light for your own path and those that follow you. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to somebody. You thought it was just going to be all darkness the rest of your life. God knows where you are. He knows you're in Lodibar. And he's ready to bring you back to his house and set you at his table and give you his glory and put his name on you. Does anybody remember when God brought you out and saved your soul? He'll do it. That's why he said, that's why he said, be holy as I am holy. You see, when I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise God for saving me. When I think of his goodness, and all he's done for me. Sister Keller, I wish you was on the B3 right now. Organ, because I could sing that song. When I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah. Praise God for saving me. The questions are this. Are your sins going before you or are your sins following you? The beauty of repentance is this. It sends our sins on up ahead of us. Watch this. 1 Timothy 5, verse number 24. Listen to this carefully. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. And unfortunately, some men's sins follow after them. See what happens when you repent, when you tell God you're sorry, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take those sins and I'm going to send them on to judgment right now. I'm going to put them under the blood. They've already gone before you. 
You don't have to look over your shoulder and wonder about all those sins that are still following you because when you repent of them, you send them forward and God forgives you of your sins. Can I preach to somebody? The moment you repent, God forgives you of your sins. Hallelujah. The moment you repent, God forgives you of your sins. Now you got to get them washed away. Then we go to the waters of baptism and those things that God has forgiven us of. When we go down in the waters of baptism in the powerful name of Jesus, every sin you have repented of, hallelujah, that's gone before you is washed away and there is no remembrance of that sin. And now you're filled with his power, his spirit, his glory, his anointing, the Holy Ghost. And now you've got the authority and the power of God to look at every devil that comes against you and say, not this time. I'm sitting at his table. I'm eating bread at his table. I'm not going to feast on the things of this world. This is where God wants me. I will sit at this table and the evidence of my wrong is forever under the blood. Somebody can be delivered today and set free today and thank God for his blessing today that's in this house. The saint of God, and that's what we're striving to be, the saint of God. His or her sins are going before them. Why? Because to be a saint of God must one repent, one must repent of their sins. And when they repent of their sins, those sins are sent on to judgment under the blood. They are forgiven and we march into glory, the glory of God. I was at a funeral this week. An incredible matriarch of the gospel in the Michigan district, Sister Phyllis Cornell. Her son and I were best of friends growing up. Philip and I were good friends, and Philip, at the funeral, his mother was a sister to our district superintendent, William R. Starr. So, Brother Starr, my beloved, my beloved district superintendent that, that really became a father figure to me in the Lord when my father passed away, Brother Starr, this would be his nephew, Philip. And Philip came to the podium at his mother's funeral and he said, I want us to do something that my Uncle Bill, William R. Starr, that my Uncle Bill taught us to do. And man, when that happened, I said, Lord, I've never seen this. I don't know how many times I've read Psalm 23, maybe two or three times. Two or three hundreds of times. And he said, and I close with this today. He said, my Uncle Bill taught us to always, when we read Psalm 23, to emphasize the personal pronoun to get the full meaning of the message. So I'm going to read it. And then I'm going to emphasize the personal pronoun. And then I'm going to have you read it with me. And we're going to emphasize the personal pronoun together. Let me go first in closing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. 
He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no, fear no evil. For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I'm going to save the next two verses for all of us. Would you read this together with me? And would you put emphasis? You read it real low, but I want you to put emphasis on the personal pronoun. Because I want you to hear what you're saying about Psalm 23. It's not just a cool psalm to read at a funeral. This is a cool psalm to live by today. Are you ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And the last verse. Woo! Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's got to become personal, ladies and gentlemen. It's got to become your song. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's time for us to put our confidence in the Word of God and declare that He's a good God. He's got a place for you today at the table. There's a place for you right here at the table today where you can find that you don't belong in Lodibar. I'm just telling somebody right now, you do not belong where you are today. God has, it's not an accident that you're watching online. It's not an accident that you're here this morning. It's, on, it's, it's not happenstance. It's on purpose. You're here for a reason today. God wants to bring you into his throne room, sit you at his table, forgive you of your past, reconcile your future to be a victorious future. This is where your hope is at. This is where your hope is at. In his word, in his love, in his strength, in his anointing. It's here today. I feel a pulling today of the Holy Ghost, reaching for someone who has meandered through life saying, I know there's got to be more to this than this. There's got to be more to life than just this. What is it? It's right here today. You can sit at his table continually. The only way anybody or anything can take you away from David said thou shall eat bread at my table continually the only way that anything anybody any spirit any devil anything can take you away from God is if you get up from the table and walk away but as long as you stay at his table Oh, hallelujah. 
all of us have had opportunities and sometimes we, the devil will challenge us and there's been times that, that we've kind of walked away. How many knows it's a good thing to get back to the table? Oh yeah, it's a good thing to get back to the table. Hallelujah. It's a good thing to get back to where he is because in his presence there's fullness of joy. At his right hand there's pleasure forevermore. You can repent of your sins. Empty yourself out today. Forgive me, Lord. It's as simple as just saying, God, forgive me. Help me. Lord, I need your help. Empty yourself out. Cry out to God. We're all going to do that together here in just a moment, right where we're sitting. We're going to repent together. Is anybody ready to repent besides me? I'm just ready to repent. You know what? What, what will happen is the church is going to repent of any and all things we might have said and done. None of us are perfect, least of all me. None of us are perfect. But I can tell you something. We know about repentance. And so you just join in with us while we repent. Hallelujah. And after we repent, you've emptied yourself out. We're going to pray that God would just fill you with His power, His Spirit, the Holy Ghost, with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. We're going to pray that God would just fill you to overflowing. Let's repent. And listen, I, I don't want you to, listen, usually when we repent, this is what we do. Oh God, oh God, 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 God. I don't want no oh God going on. I, I don't want no, and I mean that respectfully. I don't want no oh, oh, no. I want it with faith. God, forgive me. Let's pray. Lifting our heads, lifting our hearts. God, you're a good God. You know my shortcomings. You know my, you know all of my wrongs and all the things that I've said and done and been. And oh God, you can forgive me. And I ask for that forgiveness. I pour it out before you. I lay it all on the altar, Lord Jesus. I don't have to beg for it. I just have to do it. Godly sorrow, work of repentance. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for my wrong. I'm sorry for the things I've done that did not please you. I'm sorry, Lord, that somehow because of Adam and Eve, I've wound up in Lodibar. I want out. And I repent, God, of my sins. And I want you to forgive me. Hallelujah. And make a way for me, Lord, out of no way. Open a door where there is no door. Be the creator of the door, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.